0: Well, if there's one mineral you should be worried about not getting enough of, it is magnesium. It's been largely missing from the U.S. soil since the 1950s, and most supplements contain only one or two forms. When In reality, there are at least seven. If you take this into consideration, it's logical that a lot of people are magnesium deficient. Good news is that when you do get all seven forms of magnesium, it improves functions throughout the body. Everything improves fast. That's why we are excited with our friends at BiOptimizer, makers of industry-leading digestive supplements. They have created, with their research team, they have formulated what I believe to be the ultimate magnesium supplement, best out there. They even include trace amounts of something called monoatomic magnesium, which helps make all the other forms more bioavailable. It is the most complete magnesium product ever created, and until or unless someone else comes out with a better one, this is the one for you. Bioptimizers calls the product Magnesium Breakthrough, and they're running a special promotion for you at magbreakthrough.com slash drew, that dot com forward slash D-R-E-W, and you can get an additional 10% off with a coupon code that is Dr. Drew Ten drdreww ten. Again, ten percent off from the normal package price with coupon code Dr. Drew Ten. And with this one simple action, you can reverse magnesium deficiency in all its forms and upgrade your magnesium biology. The magnesium breakthrough promotion is only while quantities last at magbreakthrough.com slash Drew. Again, M-A-G-B-R-E-A-K-T-R-H-R-O-U-G-H dot com forward slash D-R-E-W. Make sure to use that coupon code Dr. Drew Tan to get 10% off your order.
1: From the network that brought you the Cold Case Files podcast comes I Survived. The classic stories you know with new interviews updating each woman's story with everything that happens after survival. I
2: survived because I convinced him that I was a person. I survived because... I was a smarter person than my assailant. I survived because
1: I I believe God saved me. Surviving is just the beginning of their story. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: Hey everybody, welcome to Dr. Who Podcast. Uh, Support the people that support us. We can keep doing this pod. And uh, Gary, we're going to be releasing... Some of the old podcasts we're going to twice a week uh, Thursdays now. We'll give you some of our uh, best dubs from that have been behind the paywall for a long time. Some of the classics are coming forward, so look forward to that. That'll be now on Thursdays, so it's Tuesday and Thursday. And uh, check out drdrew.com for the streaming shows we do on a very regular basis now. Sign up at drdrew.tv. We'll give you a blast when we go. When I'm sorry, Wednesday and Thursday. I thought they were coming out on Tuesday. Coming out on Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, and uh, you can get all the – I I think – can we can they get access to everything that was behind the paywall or just the stuff we released one by one?
1: Nope. To the best of my understanding, you can go find anything you want, but we're going to re-release some of the ones we're gonna we – We're going
0: to show you the ones we really like. Yeah, just yeah.
1: expose people and get there inspired. There are some
0: – we have had some, class, some award-winning podcasts. Oh, here. absolutely.
1: Yeah. We have they're well over 400 to pick from, yeah. so we got no shortage.
0: It will be good. Uh, again, check out dr. dot com for all my other stuff, and then, of course, after dark. But I want to get right to my guest. It is Jeff Robbins. Uh, he's from the website abetterlifercovery. dot com. Uh, the uh, Twitter is at better recovery. Jeff is the founder and general counsel of a Better Life Recovery LLC. Jeff's an attorney, and I want
2: to I want to take me through how you got to this field. A roundabout way. I figured. I did not anticipate owning a behavioral health center when I went to law school. Um, I was a litigation attorney at a national uh, construction law firm and was a partner there and went through my own issues with alcohol Mm -hmm. and went through treatment. And when I went through treatment, I kind of fell in love with it and felt that I was making a much bigger difference in that arena than I was litigating – how long a public works project took to get completed? Not that there, it, that was rewarding in its own way, but it just wasn't at the same level. So I made a dramatic career change. How long ago was this? Uh, six years ago. Wow! And I looted my four hundred one k and started a better life recovery with my partners. Where and is it? We're in South Orange County, mm-hmm. in San Juan Capistrano, mm-hmm. right off the five freeway. We have two separate divisions. One is a chemical dependency, the other is people whose primary diagnosis is mental illness. And originally we thought that we would be doing a lot more chemical dependency than mental health. That has turned on its head. I would say 80% of our clients are there for mental health diagnoses. Do you you characterize this as a residential treatment center? Yes. We are licensed for all levels of care, um, from residential through outpatient care and everything in between. Uh, we have various licenses with different state bureaucracies that govern mental health versus chemical dependency. That, that's a lot of what I spend my time on is interfacing with Sacramento, with the insurers, with people- I want to get into the weeds on this because this is a catastrophe in my humble
0: opinion and I just don't know how you do it, but but let's get into it. So let's start with the insurer. Uh, they're always playing games when it comes to mental health and uh, addiction. Um, I have been through three rounds of mental health parity as a law that not one of those times did it make a goddamn bit of difference to the patients. Even though there was all kinds of laws and all kinds of statements of parity, 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 it still became how the insurance company chose to apply that parity. And it was really interesting. I, I, on the addiction side, it was always worse than on the mental health side. And, you know, if I I had a patient needed you know four months of treatment, I would luckily, if I luck, I'd get three days. You know, I'd be squeezing three days. And the only way I could get to five days is if I threw in some benign medical description, but it would scare the hell out of them. Just any medical issue, they go, okay, one, three more days, get three more days. As opposed to the actual life-threatening problem, which was the mental illness, get them out, get them out, get them out.
2: We don't care. It's a constant battle for us. I tell our billing department, our utilization review departments all the time that the insurance, their job is to is not to pay my. Their job is to not pay me. Yeah, it's to restrict. That's to, how to they, restrict
0: access. Right. That's it. But and, and the they, the game goes pretty far too because I used to, you know, they they go time for a doctor doctor review, which means discharge. Then they tell the patient. The patient calls, complains. I'm sick. I'm going to kill myself. Whatever. And they go, oh, well, you can stay. Just the doctor doesn't give us the information necessary for you to stay. They don't tell the patient that their criteria is what you're not meeting. They're arbitrary. They're their criteria.
2: There are two issues that come to mind. One would be your references to the Parity Act, um, the federal and its state counterpart. On the one hand, I think it's been deficient in a number of ways we can talk about. On the other hand, it's light and day compared – night and day compared to what it was 10 years ago when mm. this was not covered and was specifically excluded from policies. Right, And we're going to maybe lift the IMD exclusion in California too,
0: right? So you can get access to government funds, federal government funds too.
2: There's a lot of hurdles between here and there. Interesting, And that would lead me to my next point with the insurers. I mean – they're going to constantly erect hurdles Yes, because a certain number of people will just quit at each hurdle, mm-hmm. and they know that. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, my experience has been even when insurers engage in egregious conduct, they are not ultimately held accountable because the fines that they are imposed against them are not financially significant to these Here's densities. the game on the clinician
0: side which is then they, say, discharge the patient, and the patient kills himself. And they go, we don't, we don't practice medicine. There's Dr. Pinsky's uh, signature right there on the discharge. So that's one game. The other game is when I call and complain or write a letter and complain, they go, oh, Dr. Pinsky, we see you've complained three times. You don't like our standards, how we practice business. Okay, we're going to decertify you. You're no longer part of our insurance. You can't, we can't accept our insurance anymore. In fact, we're going to certify the whole hospital. I've been through that.
2: I have no doubt. It's unbelievable. There have been countless incidents with various insurers halting payment streams to providers. And then ultimately, you find out a year later that the reason they were doing that had nothing to do with the validity of the claims. Of course. But rather, they were going through a merger, needed to keep their stock. price. It's a billion different reasons. But as far as the criteria go... There have been significant develops in the federal courts on that. There was a case last summer called Wit versus United Healthcare out of the Ninth Circuit, where the issue in dispute were the criteria that the insurers were applying, mm-hmm. and they were ultimately adjudged to be uh, arbitrary mm-hmm. and self serving. Mm-hmm. And the courts ordered the insurers to use A as the criteria going forward.
0: But even you can do shenanigans
2: with of that, Of course too. you can, yeah. and they try. I, yeah. I, immediately within a, two or three months after that decision, we got a call from the insurer involved who said they needed to talk to us because they were going to change their standards to ASAM, and we said, yeah, we know about the case, and they said, oh, that's not why. Yeah, nothing to do with it. Which we all know that's yeah. not true. And
0: ASAM is the American Society of Addiction Medicine.
2: Yeah, and and if you if I was going to give you something to feel optimistic about, I would tell you when I first started going to Sacramento on these issues – It was defensive because there were so many bad actors in the treatment industry who were providing insurers with legitimate things to complain about. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That the reputation spilled over onto legitimate providers. And it it was
0: mostly in the residential and sober living environment. I was was, shocked. That's where it was going on. Yeah.
2: I I was shocked when I first came out of a heavily regulated legal environment into this because it was just wide open. There have been dramatic changes in that over the last five years for the for the better. Yeah. And my posture in Sacramento has gone from defensive to an advocate because there's a lot of interest now in dealing with this issue. The, the two things that make politicians' phones in California ring the most right now are homelessness and pg e hmm. And they know that they have to deal with it. And because there's really... One party in power in sacramento there's no one to point at yeah they've they've got to do something so i've gotten some nice receptions and handshakes i haven't seen a lot of concrete action aside from the they, they are making medically-assisted treatment better. They're kind of tinkering around the edges, right? Mm-hmm. Like we have a TMS clinic at our facility. Which is tran- in- transcranial magnetic stimulation. Right. It's, a, it's a
0: magnet to induce chemical changes in parts of the brain. It works very, very well.
2: Right. It used to be that if you wanted an insurer to cover that procedure – you had to demonstrate to the insurer that they had tried failed out three or else. four different oh, things and failed them. Yeah, everything. That is not going yeah. to be the case any longer. Mm-hmm. Um, there is recognition in Sacramento that behavioral health is a critical component of the homelessness crisis. Really? Absolutely. I, they certainly don't behave like it. It's Again, it's, it. I can't figure out what the holdup is because I've heard... On the one hand, that the governor's office wants to do a comprehensive rewrite of everything, which is probably what it should be done because some of this stuff goes back... Seventy years. Yeah. And, hey, and, and, this is all... Everything
0: that's making your job impossible is because of the excesses of psychiatry in the 50s and 60s. And laws that came on in the 60s and 70s, they're 70 years old. Give me a break. We come along a little bit in our understanding of the brain and what to do about it.
2: That there's a strange... Phenomenon up there that I can't put my finger on, but it seems to be that there's a sense that it's compassionate to allow people to deteriorate on the streets. Yeah, so like you're interfering them, with you, you their please, freedom.
0: Please ask—that's categorically their deal. Their deal. I, I their don't get it. And so the question is: What's the body count need to be before you do something else? What's Hi. the butt? Bo- what <laughs> is from you, Senator, whatever? What does your body count need to be? And, and there's a you know this if you could get behind sp 640 we'd be very appreciative absolutely it, it will change the definition it's really opening up lantern and Petra short which is a freaking disaster and it redefining or giving us a definition for gravely disabled
2: the, there's a complement to that bill as well that expands the criteria that can be considered when doing a 5150 that's all which part that's all part of the yeah. same thing it's allowing us to help people that need help that are really really sick I think there's going to be an issue. That, this is just my opinion. I'm not yep. a clinician. Yep. There's a substantial number of the hard, what I'd call hardcore homeless on the streets. Mm-hmm. They're not but, coming off the streets voluntarily. No. And it's, I don't that's know. Most, that's most. I don't know how they're going to deal with that. Because the images that are going to come out of that process of, I mean, what are they going to do? Use the? It's going to be ugly. And I don't know if there's the political will... Uh, maybe that's what view that as, th- I think it will be perceived as being cruel. Well, it's, it's very I think there, odd. There needs to be a way to create
0: motivation, right? You don't have to round people up. You have to go, we'd like to take you to treatment. <laughs> There's a bed here for you. Let's go – got good food, good place to stay. Let's get going. I don't want to go, okay, you can now move along and keep moving or prison. We don't want you in there. You don't belong there.
2: They will go to treatment. Believe me. Well, that that leads me into the, one of the other things I brought to talk about was this uh, Boise case mm-hmm. where – Explain to people what, that, what happened there. Essentially, they criminalized homelessness in Boise and it was found to be a violation of the Eighth Amendment, cruel and unusual punishment, because there was nowhere for these people to go. It wasn't like they were being offered shelter and declining it. Right. So as a result of that case, there's been a bunch of litigation in the federal district in Santa Ana involving Judge David Carter, who's great and gets the issue, working with an assemblywoman out of Fullerton, um, Silva Quirk, who also seems to to get it. Um, They are, how can I say this? They, They seem to understand that there's going to have to be a Aggregation of municipalities in dealing with the homelessness effort and its combination with behavioral health. I can tell you what I think is going to happen tell in me. California. What is you're going to cities are going to have to are going to be required to to do a very detailed study to assess their homeless triage. population. Yeah, triage. And, and when I see, but
0: not the adolescent with a clipboard.
2: Mental health professionals doing mental status examinations. The legislation is like 15 pages long with all the stuff they have to do. So ultimately at the end of that process they're going to arrive at a a number of this is how many homeless people they have. Well, if they want to prevent people in that municipality from camping in the streets, they're going to have to demonstrate, be able to demonstrate to the courts that they have 60% capacity of the census number they arrived at. Mm -hmm. Now there are many municipalities in the state that you're, they're never going to build a homeless shelter. It's right. just – so what I think you're going to see are – I'll use North Orange County as an example.
0: Well, now – but now you have people like um, – I'm blanking on the mayor of Sacramento's name. see him clear as day. He's a head of the, of the governor's little commission he put together on homelessness who is saying – Daryl Steinberg. Daryl Steinberg, thank you, who's going to say that it's now going to be a, a legal requirement, a mandate to house these people.
2: Well, if you want, according to this case, but if you want to kick people off the street for camping, you, you, you can't, you have to have that 60%. Yeah. And then if they refuse, you can take them to jail. Mm-hmm. How that, I think what you're going to ultimately see happening are cities where the political decision to house these people is more feasible are going to be the places where they construct this, this housing. And you will see the more affluent communities essentially outsource their capacity obligations to these other municipalities. That's how I think it's going to end up playing out. I could be wrong. But that's what I see coming. But they, part of the problem, though, with the way I'm imagining this all is set up, is it, it? they need psychiatric services. They're going to have to deliver a mo- – come, and I'm ready to help them with this. But they're going to have to deliver the behavioral health services to the housing facilities. Right. So we, we have to turn
0: these things into little mini psychiatric mm-hmm. hospitals. And and I and I am very enthusiastic that we experiment with what that is. I know they're building the Trieste plan in Hollywood right now. Have you seen this thing, which is which is essentially like the Haven House plan? It's all the same, which is community, vocational rehab, purposeful living, and psychiatric services. There's one in
2: Buena Park
0: too. Yeah, and and they all work. They work, uh, but they're hard to scale.
2: They're hard to scale up. Really hard to scale. One of the problems they have. I think you, I've heard you discuss this earlier, is even if every single citizen of the state of California collectively decided today mm. that they wanted to deal with this problem comprehensively, they have nowhere near the capacity Correct. to deal with it. Right. So, so would you, what, are you, what are you in favor of doing? Would they've you, got to do something to blow up capacity both on the public and the private side quickly. Right would, now, would you
0: create a temporary thing, like the sprung tents and that kind of thing, and just get it going?
2: Maybe I think what they could do – you have two things, right? They, they, they want a healthy private sector to be able to deal with the people who have these issues, who have the assets to take care of them without becoming a ward of the
0: state. There are many families that are begging for the laws yes. to help them do that. Right. Ref- that's 640.
2: Mm-hmm. The problem is it takes – it takes me anywhere from six months to a year and a half to get a fifteen bed license from the Department of Social Services. Right. And you, you they made a trade off. When when I was a kid, there was a place in Napa, the Napa State Hospital. It was a state institutional mental facility. Mm-hmm. And they closed all of those, and there were reasons they closed them. Mm-hmm. We saw one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Sort of the stereotype in everyone, but they mind. weren't like that. One or two were, but right. yeah. But the trade-off they made legislatively was that they wanted to develop a smaller system that would sort of disperse the clients into a more integrated type model and allow the, the treatment to be delivered that way. It was a little more egregious. It ended up with
0: people trying that kind of thing.
2: The original thing was a guy named Robert
0: Felix who was a social engineer and believed that Thomas Saz and all that nonsense that institutions caused psychiatric illness. He was a psychiatrist but had never taken care of a chronic, psychiatric ill patient. And his thing was close the state hospitals, made no provisions for what to do with the patients coming out of the state hospital. Kennedy, at this man's instruction, signed the Community Mental Health Act – which was designed to create small community outpatient centers to prevent mental illness, not to treat anybody, not to deal with the people that were spilling out of the state hospital, into the street, the nursing homes, and the prisons.
2: So, so no one's
0: ever pulled back from that.
2: So the people that I treat are, are on the mental health side. Yeah. They're housed in what the state characterizes as a social rehabilitation facility. So I'm not really dealing with them at their most acute level. And I'm not housing them forever long term. I'm dealing with the people who maybe haven't gone past the point of no return Mm -hmm. and can be treated. Mm -hmm. And in the, the social rehabilitation facility in the eyes of the state covers things way beyond mental health, old people, adolescents, autism, a number of different things in the entire state of California. There was 2,088 beds right. for social rehabilitation right. facilities.
0: Probably, let me guess the need, 100,000, 80,000? The
2: number I saw in, I don't know, was 50 beds per 100,000 people. My understanding is that if you remove the beds in California that are that have been given to the prison system, there's five per 100,000. So we're, what's that, 10%? Yeah,
0: but way off. We're th- tens of thousands of beds mm-hmm. off. And so do you have a plan to
2: scale up? Well, Yes. The, prop, the the limiting factor is the licensing process. So mm. I will be in Sacramento again next week meeting with stakeholders and I'm so, trying – So you
0: could build the facilities faster than you could get the licensing? Oh, 100 the, percent. Really? You, really? That's just in Orange County or is that includes That's anywhere. That, that, the, the, what I keep hearing is it's too expensive, too much delays, too many restrictions on building – that's what I keep hearing.
2: That's all true, but those are bureaucratic hurdles that in my mind can be addressed. If if I were in charge, I'd issue an executive order tomorrow directing right. the Department Way of, of Social that. Services yeah. to expedite expedite everything. Now, to be fair – Is
0: that, fair, is that uh, government, uh, federal government or – No, or it's, it's the state. state?
2: You know? um, to be fair to oh. the Department of Social Services <sighs> – The reason people are applying for these licenses is because the insurance industry has decided that if you are going to provide residential psychiatric treatment in California, you have to have one of these licenses. Seven or eight years ago, I think there were two in the whole state. Yeah. Now everyone's rushing to get them, right? And I don't think they've upped their bureaucratic staff to deal with it. And what's the procedure for getting through it? You have to show your policy oh, procedures yeah. and all this stuff. It's Ridiculously comprehensive. Is like a JCO kind of evaluation. Yeah, It's that kind of thing. That level of scrutiny, more than the DHCS does for chemical dependency, um, all kinds of things. I mean, we had our we have a catering service, right? So we don't cook at the house where the people are. Right, it's brought in. That threw them for a loop. So it cost us – they have to go evaluate yeah, them. It cost me two months of delays on the license because they had to figure out how to check the box to waive right. the food requirement.
0: Well, one of the problems we had with Jayco, which is a similar kind of review for hospitals, is then you – where you refer people next has to be evaluated also. Do you have to go through that nonsense? Oh,
2: yeah. Well, that – isn't as hard as it sounds just because there's people we've worked with for a long time.
0: Well, but there could be – in our case, there were hundreds of places. And yeah, it was really
2: yeah. hard. You could, I can only imagine what it's like for a hospital. Yeah. We have good relationships with the hospitals. That's probably where most of our clients come. I'm sure. It, um, the problem the hospitals have is that they they don't have – anywhere to send these people right so they end up sitting in the er for a while That's exactly the issue. and there's a huge pressure on them to get those people out no and i'm so, going
0: to speak to the uh, southern california hospital association on friday and i want to hear what their issues are I'm, i expected this
2: i would tell you it, this is i could be off a little bit at least half of the people that we get sent by hospitals who are Stabilized. We have to restabilize. We have to send them to a psychiatric facility and, and redo it. Yeah. Because I don't want to send them back to the hospitals. I'm trying to solve problems for them. So, so in other
0: words, they come out of an ER. Mm-hmm. They think they're stable for residential care, but you need a
2: psychiatric service. When between. we do the clinical assessment, yeah. it's yeah. determined that they're, they're yeah. not ready. Yeah. And
0: what kind of uh, professionals do you have? Do you have oh, medical? Or? My
2: partner, Richard Gernice is a medical doctor, board-certified psychiatrist, um, Social workers, MFTs, certified counselors—we have the usual more special. than a one-to-one ratio.
0: Wrap-around services—I'm putting yeah, quotes in the air.
2: Yeah, we have a fully credentialed school teacher. We can mm-hmm. issue GEDs. The vocational I mean, we have. To? Well, we work closely with various departments of the county to identify people who are more appropriate for that. Mm-hmm. Because it, I mean, you know this—it's a huge spectrum. We get people who are literally rocket scientists. And then we get other people who haven't really gotten past the sixth grade and right. everything in between. Right. So you can't have a cookie cutter model. You've right. got to individually assess everything. But having those extra bells and whistles like a school teacher, a vocational program, good relationships with the local universities, those those are really critical for us.
0: Where do people go generally
2: next from your place? Um, well, we can keep them up to a year. Mm-hmm. Our, my, my theory is. I would rather take a loss and extend their care because going forward, the thing that's going to become the most important thing from an insurance perspective is going to be outcome data. Mm-hmm. Keeping them around gives me access. I totally believe in my non clinical head that length of treatment correlates with success. 100%. So, in, in, with all brain stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, ideally, we're working with charitable organizations and other things so that. We can not just sober them up, but give them the time to lay the foundation to do the types of things you need to do to become independent Mm -hmm. from having a job to having a security deposit for an apartment. I think it is an extremely difficult time to be a young man in this country. Mm -hmm. I think there is a gap between the expectations that these young men place upon themselves, which I characterize as like the Ward-Cleaver syndrome. Mm -hmm. They all think they should be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And they view themselves in some circumstances as failures when they can't. And I don't think those expectations are realistic for a lot of these people. And that gap between their expectations and their reality, the wider it is, the more likely it is they're going to have problems. Mm -hmm. So we try to keep them around, plug them into AAA, plug them into their friends social activities that have nothing to do with their prior habits and build it up around them we have lots of people that come to not not lots sometimes people come to us from farther away lots of them end up staying because going back to their old lives and their old friends and their old haunts, it's the worst thing they could do. End up in the same place again. Right. right. So It's been great. So we,
0: I'm, I'm, I want to zero in again.
2: Where do they go next? Do they get their own apartment? And oh. they go to jobs? Well, we want them to have jobs beforehand. Yeah. So ideally, the thing is, from us, they go into their own apartment with yeah. roommates okay. where they're independent, okay. where they have jobs. They're just regular people. And do you follow up afterwards? With we that? have a whole... Alumni yeah. uh, organization that tries to maintain contact. It's hard to maintain contact sometimes. Right. You know, two years out of treatment, and you're getting an email from me about, you know, yeah, yeah. It's hard to get a response yeah. sometimes, but that's why keeping them around is good.
0: And how,
2: again, I'm going to go back to the,
0: the scale of this. How, how do we scale this up? It seems like the need for this is massive, other than ex- expediting the, the licensing. Or why, you know, why are they talking about condominiums? Why aren't they talking about these kinds of facilities?
2: I, I can't explain it because there's nothing that's really come out of the governor's office yet. He's had the do you talk to him about what you do. And it? I have had a real I have had a great reception from both parties in the Senate and the assembly. And I've just kind of gotten the Heisman so far from the governor's office. Mm. And I don't know if it's because they're trying to put something together on their own. That they want to spring out later? I mean, or? his big
0: movie, he, he sent down 10 trailers or something last week. Like, like that's going to do
2: anything. He needs to do something. The, the, it's got to be big. It's got to be big, and let's face it, it's kind of his legacy issue right now. Because oh. what other issue is there in California that's more <laughs> pressing for him? And he has future aspirations. So my expectation is he's going to have to do something.
0: So, you know... The, so the the is the IMD exclusion going to help you at all?
2: It doesn't really affect us very much, one way or the other. Okay, it's so not IMD because you're not
0: doing medical level stuff. No, at this point, those resources aren't meaningful.
2: Those are not; they do
0: not matter to me. What my goal are, was, should there be an organization that does uh, f- get
1: funded by IMD?
0: Absolutely. Except Gary wants to bring in here.
1: No, I was just wondering if either of you guys saw the state of the state today. No, no I did say? not. No, he seems to be acknowledging some of the problems and he said that there should be he seemed to be indicating that there should be more ability to not commit people but to intervene against yeah. their will oh yeah he, he's finally he's finally sort sort of starting to say things that are along the lines of what you shout about and get angry about every podcast okay. but i didn't i didn't all see right. a lot of plans all right well, that's okay it, it, it's that just, it, it looked I came away more hopeful.
0: Okay, good. That's, I, I'm delighted to hear that. I, and I
2: would, I would second that in the sense that I used to get ignored by everybody up there. Yeah, They are very – they know they have to – when people – Have spe- you met Robert Marbot yet? From, I have uh, not. Would you like to? Sure. I mean, because that's somebody you should talk to. The, the more people that can help me out, the better. Yeah. Um, I believe the state of California is going to have to come up with a creative, flexible way – to provide behavioral health services yes. delivered to a, a facility yeah. there 's going to be a ton of them yes, and, and are they that. going to do that with the state? are they going to try to actually hire and provide the care directly? no I mean they need to create the laws
0: th- they can, no they need to create the laws so the counties and cities and private
2: sector can do the services. Yeah, I'm hearing a lot of discouraging things on that subject up there that the trade-off for this is speculation. Mm. The trade-off for that large-scale state-run funded program would be the unionization of their workforce and to internalize them as state workers. And
0: then they'd want to do that? Well, then you have state hospitals again. And mm. those are going to be awful.
2: Well there's a I mean, they could do that. <laughs> but somebody the problem is is that there's a huge percentage of this population that has no assets whatsoever. So the state is going to be dealing with them one way or the other. How you do that most efficiently, I agree with you. You outsource it to the private sector and let them deliver the services yeah. in the most efficient way. Yeah. But when you start talking about spending a billion plus in Sacramento, everything becomes political.
0: Yeah, but we have what, what – in, in the city of Los Angeles alone, we have like, what, $4 billion sitting on the sidelines, something like that, that we could easily use for this? I mean, it would, it would mostly take care of it. You would think uh, – The taxpayers have put the money aside. I don't know what Orange County is doing.
2: But, I think part of the issue is that there's so much work to be done between saying let's do it and being able to do it.
0: Right creating the laws and the infrastructure to be able to do it. Mean, right? e- right.
2: Even once you had the laws, yeah. they, then you have to get the capacity. Yes. Then you're going to have to staff it. Yes. Then you're going to have to come up with a and way. You know how hard that is because that's it's what you hard. do. It's <laughs> We do look a quality, for a right? real long time at expanding into the Bay Area, and we ultimately walked away from it because of the absence of clinical talent. Because mm. it's the market economics up there are very strange, and they've kind of detached from the local economy, but that's another
0: the, they're just not, they're not enough psychiatrists right now. That's the big, big issue.
2: A lot of it's going to be done by
0: physician extenders and psychologists and stuff, and then telemedicine psychiatry. Yeah. That, that's how they're going to do I mean, it. What do you think of telemedicine? It's, it's not good, but but it's, I'm surprised at how effective it can be because you got to understand something. Psychiatry. You know, is it's, it's almost like treating a pneumonia or something. You can, If I can listen to the – find a way to get some information on what's, what's a chest x-ray and talk to the patient, I can pretty much figure out what's going on. And the same thing is with psychiatry. If they sit down and do a mental status exam, they don't have to be in the room with them. They have to hear the history. They have to have it confirmed by the
2: staff. They have to
0: evaluate, you know, go through their structured interviews. And they pretty much know what's going on.
2: I just have so much respect for clinicians in that sense because – it's, it's, it's so different from say an x-ray or an MRI where you can look at something on a piece of paper and then six like weeks later look at it yeah. and it's healed and it's, yeah. no, it's it's really difficult it's when going back to the outcome data it's I'm trying to objectively quantify an inherently subjective process.
0: Right. And believe me though, the experience of dealing with humans with these conditions informs you immensely and you can develop very, very good judgment with this. It's, it's, not, it's not guesswork. Uh, we have a lot – and, and we also then check ourselves with objective data. But we kind of know what's going on when you walk in the room. It's, kinda, it's like as an internist, when I see – when I walk in the room, I know when somebody has heart failure. I know exactly what I – I can know what their ejection fraction is without having it measured. And psychiatrists are kind of the same way. They, they walk in the room and they kind of – they know what's going on and then they do the exam and, yep, that's what's going on.
2: Yeah, and what my difficulty is is taking what you just described and translating it into language that an actuary understands. Because then because it, it, it goes back to the insurer, yeah, and trying to justify those extra three days, yes, those which is a battle that I'll never stop fighting, that's just going to be a daily push and pull as long as there's insurance, yeah,
0: and uh, hmm. they, they'll keep throwing the roadblocks. Well, I, I want to hear a little bit more about about the state and, and what we can do. so what are you are you doing anything systematic right now?
2: Uh, I have I work with a company up there called Platinum Advisors. Who are really good guys. And they they get me into the rooms with the people who are the stakeholders that I want to talk to. On Tuesday, I will be meeting with Scott Weiner, who is the president of the state senate, who authored the Mental Health Parity Act.
0: And he has the uh, conservatorship thing going on. He
2: has the conser- – and he also yeah. controls the legislative docket because yeah. he's the president of the state senate. Yeah. So,
0: Ask him about 640.
2: I will. <laughs> I, I, I certainly will. He – the California Mental Health Parity Act that he just drafted recently was really good mm-hmm. in my opinion mm-hmm. because one of the issues I have with the insurers and the providers is there's a disconnect in the nomenclature that the insurers use versus what the bureaucracies use. Mm-hmm. And for the Parity Act that I saw re- – there's still problems with it, but it's the first effort I've seen by the state to try to make those consistent. Mm-hmm. Because any ambiguity between the two the insurers used to try to deny care.
0: And what do you want Wiener to do?
2: I would like to see him get that state – I'd like to see him pass that Parity Act.
0: Oh, it's not through yet.
2: Well, it just got brought through the Senate. Uh-huh. So I think it still has to go through the Assembly and then to Newsom. But the fact that – Wiener is the one that wrote it, authored it, passed it through. It's, it's certainly far more likely than just some random bill right because again, he controls the legislative docket, and there's a lot of pressure on them to do something.:
0: You're going to ask about the resistant patients the ones you uh, that yeah, don't want
2: to come off the street: Well that's the conversation I've had with them I've, I've asked them if they're ready to turn on the news and watch that happen. And what do they say? They don't really answer. <laughs> well,
0: there's better ways. To, again, the motive. You can motivate people without physically rounding them up. You can.
2: My expectation. Look, I believe people respond to incentives. Yes, and you so can incentivize. Them. If you make it easy mm-hmm. to be homeless in San Francisco, they will be. Yeah. Period. If you make it more difficult,
0: and, and why they offer them something very nice. They'll go in that direction.
2: Yeah. They will go. And if they don't, then maybe it's more palatable and acceptable to push those people. Right. Because I don't think you have the right. It's kind of like reducing everything to the lowest common denominator, right? Like the, beha- the bar for acceptable behavior has been placed so low in some sort of misguided view of compassion that it, it's, it's become what it is. Are they afraid of the ACLU? I'm sure they are. Because you know there will be litigation about it no matter what they did. Hmm. And I don't
0: – How many people do they have to kill at the ACLU? How many, how many – they've got 1,000 a, a year going now just in Los Angeles.
2: The numbers of people who have died in the opioid crisis dwarf the Vietnam War.
0: Well, and, and I would argue that the, just the homeless thing too does. It's yeah. separate from the opioid crisis. Yeah, yeah. I
2: agree. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable and the sad thing about it is, is that I believe the impetus – In terms of this becoming an important issue, wasn't necessarily people feeling bad for them. It's they just spent a house, bought a house for a million bucks, and they got to drive past a homeless camp on their way to work, and they're calling up their assemblyman and going, "What are you doing?" Because that's the only thing they respond to in Sacramento is their phone. Really, when their constituents blow up their phone. Things start to matter.
0: California California listeners, start calling your representatives up there because you, the, the day – just let today go by, three more die in our city. Sacramento, one every
2: other day. It's just it's just ridiculous. It's hard to believe because it, I grew up in California. It wasn't like this.
0: In the name of what, too? What, what are they proving? What was the goal here?
2: I think th- – I think they think they're being compassionate. Don't they you? They can't
0: think that anymore. The, that veil has been removed. it Seems to me. Well, then you what explains no that? So them? That's what I want to know. I just don't get some it. abstract principle that they're living by. I,
2: I went up. Gary to has
0: a plan.
1: No, I don't have a plan. But I can, there were a few quotes in there where they do think they're being compassionate in that state of the state speech today. They Ugh. do think they're being compassionate, and he it was. It was weird the way that the comments I liked about proactivity and mental illness were couched with while also being compassionate. It was That's fine. No, That's it's right. fine, but it, That is being compassionate
0: at that point, leaving them on the streets is not being compassionate. Correct.
2: Yeah, so But there's people who think that it is. That interfering with their freedom yeah, and, and to do what they want. Those are those is. are
0: murderers and they should not be talked to. They don't they clearly don't know anything about my question: How many years you spent? But me- what, what I ask them is, those people, how many years you spent in mental health? Oh, none. You're not in this conversation. You have no business in this conversation. And if you persist, you're a murderer. So get the fuck out of here. That's that's my whole thing. I'm really tired of this. They need to hear
2: your voice. Oh, because so they, it's it's frustrating. Yeah, I mean, they make said. aircraft carriers look nimble. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um. So all right. So
0: let let's so so if if you were to sort of draw up a plan. Let's say for the next, and, and we were going to really get active in solving this problem. What would the next six months look like? I, are you talking if I was the guy in if power? Were God, if you were, okay. if you had in, infinite powers, we would, we would, we would waive the. Um,
2: social I would issue thing. an executive order to the Department of Healthcare Services and the Department of Social Services that you have a maximum of sixty to ninety days to process applications completely. Um. I would make certain that the Parity Act got passed such that it was able to be used by providers to obtain care oh, for their right. clients.
0: so so you would have the health care services and social services approve the application for
2: any well, for a community care license for a community care license, which is what allows you to provide residential psychiatric care okay or a residential uh, Residential Substance abuse, yeah, yeah, for the chemical dependency okay. side. All so right. the DHCS is, is actually fairly – I don't know if I can expect more from them. Okay. The DSS, I think, has been overwhelmed. Okay. I think a lot of the bureaucratic demands arising out of these issues fell on the DSS. I get it.
0: Parity Act Pass. Parity Act Pass.
2: Uh-huh. Um. Get on the phone with your local representative to tell them that it's very important that they d- develop the capacity. Build capacity. It's all, it's all about capacity, both public and private. Yeah. And to the extent they don't quickly – to me, the quickest thing they can do is build out the private capacity because it's a, it's just licensing. And then those people, to the extent they're able to access care, they don't end up in the other group, mm-hmm. which is where the state is paying for them.
0: But what percentage are going to be state covered, you think? Eighty percent? I mean – Ninety percent? I think it's yeah. really high. Okay. I think it too.
2: gets substantially lower for the population under the age of 26 oh, because, because they, they can be on the their parents. parents. Okay. And that's I – mean, again, I'm not a clinician and you correct me if I'm wrong. But intervening with young people with issues like schizophrenia – Earlier intervention it's, it's is critical. The difference
0: between living a normal life and being
2: lost forever. Because yeah, I, again, I don't know, but I've been led to believe there's a point of no return. Correct,
0: and we are allowing all these people on the street to pass that.
2: Yeah, every order. single one of them that and, passes and will be a ward of the state.
0: My constant refrain to them is, if this were if this was dementia causing the same symptoms, you rush in and take them to care, and that will not change the course of dementia. You won't care of these people that if you change the – if you inter, intervene, you will change the course in a positive direction. If you don't, you'll lose them forever. Mm-hmm. That's what we're dealing with. Oh, my God. Okay, uh, so build capacity – anything about building capacity that they would need in terms of recommendations on how to build capacity?
2: It's such a big issue. And when I say big issue, I mean it has so many moving parts. Yeah. First of all, they're going to have to identify the properties where they would even be able to – neighborhoods. Right. Yeah. And, and that's going to be a big – they've done certain things. Yeah. Like they've waived a lot of the CEQA requirements, the California Environmental Quality Act. Some if of the – They really haven't. Well, there's legislation related to that. Okay, So
0: there's something you can talk to later about. I have it here
2: somewhere. California, um, Sequa. Yeah, and I think think they've done some of that. They've talked about it. Yeah. That was talked about at that conference I was at last week. So so I think you need to immediately identify the properties where you are going to develop the capacity to house these people. And then you need some sort of individual mandate for the people.
0: You need to have some way to get them into treatment. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm.
0: So that's 640.
2: It's also Conservatorships. the. Conservatorships. It's also the. requires the development of the 60% bed capacity if you don't oh, want yeah. to take these people off the streets. Yeah. So that's an initial threshold that you need to get over before you can do anything. Mm hmm. And I don't think. I mean, here's the. Is the secret thing? This is the social rehabilitation facility. Uh, those are all of them. Jesus.
0: Total number of beds is two thousand <laughs> in the whole state. In the entire state, and we have a uh, conservatively one hundred fifty thousand that are on the street. Yeah. So let's say three quarters of them needs this. One hundred thousand plus. Excuse me.
2: Uh, yeah, it's it's a big big issue, and the problem with saying if I was. Even if I was God himself, I don't think I could solve this thing in six months.
0: I don't think you would either.
2: No, I I think it's going to be It's years. Yeah, it's going to be years. But but
0: there needs to be some sort of expedited window of six or 12 months or something where things are done to get this thing moving.
2: And that's sort of the way I'm thinking about it. Well, they're going to also have to figure out who they're going – let's say that they've figured out where they want to house the people and have gotten the people – to the location where they would like to house them. Their next step is to deliver treatment to them and who's going to deliver the treatment and how is it going to be delivered. Have you
0: found guys like yourself running around
2: or are you the only one? That, what do you mean?
0: That are not clinicians but know how to run these programs and are trying to get the state to help build more.
2: Well, I think my company's greatest strength is the diversity of our ownership team. Because we have a board-certified psychiatrist, a University of Chicago MBA. I'm an attorney. So our strength has been that we've all been able to stay in our own lanes, and we don't cross each other's wires. And I don't know how a clinician would have the time to spend with his patients and build the business. It just wouldn't work.
0: No, you can't. That's why I've been wondering where the clinicians are in all this, and I thought, no, it's because they're too busy doing the work.
2: And that's my goal with yeah. with my partner, Rich. I don't want him to have to deal with any of this. Yeah. I want him to be able to exclusively focus on providing the highest quality of care to our clients, yeah. and that's the only thing he has to worry about. I get it, and that's worked really well for us. And and the, I guess it's a strange industry. The the mm-hmm. <laughs> so everybody kind of has a personal connection to it. And I have found I have it's very infrequent that you find someone that didn't have any personal touch with this industry either recovering or had a or had a family member or or something something. so it's kind of like a a tight-knit little club Mm -hmm. and i love my work and i love my partners that i work with and i feel like i get to spend my time doing things that matter um and that's just been i can't even describe it to you it's been a just the greatest thing that ever happened. To
0: me. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna start chanting about the the things that are needed to be done in order to start to execute real, real build up, build out. And I'm happy to keep you so, in the loop. Please with do whatever and I'm, I'm gonna get uh, Marbot, and he's got, he's got a guy in the ground here that's uh, lurking around that you should meet with. Yeah, uh, and uh, and you know Ben Carson is very serious about helping you solve
2: this. I'm looking for help from anyone who wants to help. Yeah. And so I don't really get a lot out of spending the time and effort to deal with this in Sacramento. It's not something I I have to do, but I think it matters. Yeah, And I think in the long run, it's one of the most important things we're doing. Well, it certainly
0: is life-saving, uh, and there's probably not, no more effective way to save lives right now than this. Uh, and it is – Something that, by the way, if it sits much longer, could result in some sort of infectious disease outbreak that will affect all of us.
2: Uh, God my, only knows. My prediction to anyone who has listened has been what is going to make this mm-hmm. ultimately get dealt with is somebody in like Beverly Hills is going to get cholera. <laughs> Not somebody. It could be a massive outbreak.
0: You know what yeah. I mean? That's, that's the what I'm concerned about. And we already have tuberculosis. We have non-tuberculous AFPs. I'm called M.A.V.M. We had, we had uh,
2: salmonella. We had typhoid fever. We had typhus. We, but are, until that breaks out of the population that they can feel comfortable yep. ignoring. Yeah. It's crazy.
0: Well, listen, thank you for doing the work and thank you for explaining it. And spending no, I, time love for that. I really appreciate it. It that really is fun. It's a better life recovery. Whom should be referred to? Whom do you want to, to contact you guys if they need help?
2: Uh, you can call us at 949-313-7444, or you can reach us at abetterliferecovery.com. There is someone available to pick up that phone or respond to a message 24 what hours a day. kinds of patients? All kinds of patients, male, female, chemical dependency, mental illness. I mean, there are some aspects of mental illness we don't do. We don't do eating disorders, but okay. depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, Somebody thought So we need
0: structured living and ongoing mm-hmm. care uh, after their acute stabilization.
2: We are not going to just wrap a bow around you and tell you you're better. Mm-hmm. We're going to try to really provide mm-hmm. evidence-based treatment that works, and we're gonna, we have a more than one-to-one employee-to-client ratio. You are going to get... Every opportunity to get better. You're trying to restore people to flourishing. Yeah, I want to give you a better life. (laughs) All
0: right, my friend, thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, appreciate you being here. We'll see where this goes. Uh, Thank you all. We'll see you next time